Hello, welcome to the home studio. It's Clam and Jackie Bam. Welcome to our Twitch stream. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew this is what we look like? Um, like everyone that listens to this show. <laughs> Thanks, Mum and Dad. Um, um, so happy to be here. We've done a relocation. We were once upon a time at Crawl Studios on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung Country, but now we are on Bunwurrung country, uh, the Yalakut Willem clans country, just off of the beach. Uh, very grateful to be here on unceded land. Um, I thought to start might acknowledge some sick times I've had on this country recently. So on New Year's Day, after some adventures, ended up at St Kilda Beach with Cam and others. And was blessed with this unbelievable sunset that was purple and I couldn't believe it and the water was perfect everything was just great and then we went home and kind of spoke about it and we were like oh yeah but that was a one-off that was a special sunset and every day did you say that I I said it okay um, and every day I just thought it wouldn't happen again I see <laughs> a lot of it was such here. good good company it was good company good vibes um but now, what is it, 11 days into January, and I've seen purple sunsets every night on Bunwurrung Country, so pretty grateful for that one. We Having, are so lucky. Well, wait, purple haze? Purple haze, purple haze I feel yeah. it. I haven't got anything as kind of deep and meaningful to share as that, Babs, but I did also enjoy that blissful summer's day. It felt like a fortuitous day to begin the year uh, on Bunurong Country, and I'm grateful to be here in otherwise known as St Kilda, mm-hmm. Southside, bringing it back. Um Good to be here on the show with you. Thanks. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Um, oh, not great. <laughs> not great. I'm lying to everyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do I'll, we do you want me to tell? It? I'll do a quick one because I think it's important, yeah, like, spiritual yeah. context for yeah. you at the moment. For Twitch stream listeners out there, Babs has recently been diagnosed with a chronic skin condition, <laughs> which I've been supporting them with. Um, do you want to – you say what you want to say. Uh, the roids, they got me. I have been hooked on steroids for somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And like any kind of substance abuse, it has its ups and downs. I've had enjoyed beautiful times and smooth skin. But for now, I have a head to toe rash everywhere that has also stopped me sleeping for somewhere between three weeks and a month now. Yeah, it's good to recognize these things. I think like when I came over on Monday to do the show prep, I'm like, hey, Babs, you in there? Open the door. They were lying in like complete corpse mode with like completely nude. It was like I felt like you had to just like go full frontal just to like <laughs> regain some agency or something i'm, al- I'm alive yeah anyway, like my skin's looking honestly look really good you because i've like basically stopped drinking and smoking so yeah. um, it's good to have something to compare yourself to yeah. and you. in in positive news for a bonus bonus for everyone watching at home this is also this will be my unofficial topical steroid withdrawal recovery process congratulations follow along everyone and every time you tune in and you look at us you're gonna you're gonna see some skin 
from afar, I think you look gorgeous as always. I'm covered up. It's literally from my neck to my groin. Yeah. As I always <laughs> say, um, you've got a real face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the show. Back in the business 2023, we thought we'd kick off the show just quickly. Intros, how's everyone going? Um, do a lightning round of ins and outs list. Babs was resistant uh, to this idea because like all true contrarians, they think in and outs are out which actually is the most normity, like normativity position, I think. I'm comfortable with that. I thought we would do a kind of game show edition where I'll read you something and you have to say something from someone else's in and out list and you have to tell me, identify if it was an in or an out. And then I will come back at you. I actually, I asked around today, I was like, does anyone have those things screenshotted? So I found some lists. I, do you want to source? I'm going to source, I'm going to tell you which lists I have, but I'm not going to tell you what items I'm choosing from okay. them. So I've got Merrillectual's list, which comes with commentary that I won't share with you, but mm-hmm. maybe I'll share after you guess. Mm-hmm. And I've also got, this will be of interest to you, mm-hmm. an, an anonymous list from Perth. Oh, yeah. Cool. It was like something a little bit different, that WA lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Where are your lists from? Uh, I got one from apparently the Washington Post invented ins and outs. That's where it like came from. You can't invent ins and outs. I know. I I think it's not real, but yeah. So I got some kind of like very American one. I got one from Salvo's Fit Instagram. Oh, did they do one? Actually, oh, okay. Firstly, before we get into the ins and outs, on the topic of Salvo's fit, do you think that military corps is in or out? Because they've been really going off about that today. I don't know about the core things. So core is always out. No, I don't. Do you mean are people wearing... Um, my mum has been wearing khaki pants for many years and she always looks great. The drama was that... Um, oh, yeah, the drama was that people... Wait. Mic close. Um... Well, some party was having a theme that was themed military corps, right? It was at miscellaneous and the poster looks a bit like a drone, a drone strike. <laughs> Timely news given Prince Harry's shocking revelations that he A, did cocaine and B, killed 25 people in Afghanistan. Cam loves news.com. No, boy, she loves news.com. But why would you reveal that? Anyway, so putting aside Harry's war crimes, do you think the Miss people are war criminals? And can you say military corps? I think... Um, the state government of Victoria actually has heavy investments in arms dealerships. So all of us by paying taxes and living here are in the military, military industrial complex. So I don't might as well anything, have a party. I don't think there's anything that wrong with like just wearing military core. Yeah. Mil- out, did McQueen have any military gear? Um, there was army stuff, very into the Navy. Mm. Read us your list. Okay. I'm reading. Um, We'll go one for one. All right. I don't know if this is the ins or outs section. Okay. Vasectomies. Is it in or is it out? In. You're so on trend. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Vasectomies are in. (laughs) Okay. Do me one. Um, No, I think it should be like one for one. So if I told you um, dubstep and... Dubbed out, which one of those things were was in and which one was out? What is dubbed out? Dubbed out is like when a voiceover comes over you and is like, I actually said this when you <laughs> pretended to say this. It's a bit um, I think deep fakey. Is this a trick question? Are they, no, bo- are they both I'm in? I'm not tricking you. It's a proper competition. You just don't know the answer. I think dubbed in is... Dubstep. Dubstep is out? And dubbed in is in? 
It's the other way around. Oh, oh. Wow. How could you think that? How could you possibly not know? Wait, what did I just say? Because I do love that Skrillex song. Did I say dubstep was out? Which Skrillex song? Can you sing it for us? <laughs> I meant wah, wah, wah. It's in, in, in. Okay, okay wait. My, no, it's my turn. It's my turn. turn. Your turn. Okay. See, someone who didn't want to play the game seems like you're having a lot of fun. I struggle with competition. I usually avoid it for a lot of reasons, including this attitude. Okay. Straight boys douching. And for comment, it's come to my attention that a lot of y'all get pegged on the reg and I just feel for my girlies washing their pooey fingers. Uh, it's definitely out. It's right in. Right in. <laughs> in deep. In deep. You think? Well, what's the, what's the parallel? Give me an in. There's not always a parallel. No, I think it the has parallel to be is straight one. boys not douching. It's like the the scales of justice. You know, there's got to be something, something in to and go something out. Because surely the concept is that there okay. there are only so many cool things at one time. It's a limited amount of cool, and that's why we have to say which one slides in and which one slides out. It's yeah. physics. It's natural stuff. E the, the equivalent out is red scare. I'm over it. Fair, yes, yeah, which everyone would agree with. That and ethical non-monogamy are the only uncontroversial additions to the list. Um, okay, what about um, recreational estrogen versus... <laughs> um, You're making the verses up. Can no, you just I'm give not. Me one? Discord, Discord accounts made before 2016. Okay, recreational estrogen is in... And Discord accounts made before 2014 are out? Yeah. 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 Who made Discord before then? What are like those accounts? Gamers, like gamer accounts. Not like, yeah, like the real, the real people. Gamers out. Okay, what okay, about? I think one more. One more, one more. I need to pick you a hard one. Okay. After going to, after going to Alexander McQueen, mm -hmm. Tartan slash kilts, in or out, according to Hot and Sunny Perth. Jesus. Surely out. In. It's been in. like 47 degrees every day there for a month. It's in. Okay. Well, but I think they're, it's wishful thinking because I didn't see any. Yeah. One more? One more. Maybe no. Rio. No. All right. All right. You get one more. Okay. <laughs> From the Perth thing. Um... <laughs> There's quite a few good ones. Okay. What about this one's relevant to you? Mm -hmm. Hems. Are hems in or out? Uh in Yes. Cool. In. Wow. Comment it will be nice to see local designers finish what they started, though I doubt their middling ability as seamstresses will be up to the task. Who wrote this? Savage. Merylectuals. No, oh, I thought this was your WA one. No. Stop being so fascist about Perth, though. They understand. They're still in the um, die horny phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, give me one more to finish. Okay, um, okay some personal ones. <laughs> um, These are just ones you okay. come up with. The two, you, you got to pick between two things. Which one is in, which one is out. Topical steroids or moisturizer? I just got this fantastic new oil moisturizer <laughs> from Clarins that my grandmother gave me for yeah. Christmas. Why pick one? Not topical steroid cream. Mm. Okay. Welcome back to our show, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mother has died. <laughs> Some truths are simply too hard to bear. Some pills are just too hard to swallow. 
That's why we love Melty Mouth's new Melt in Your Mouth Painkillers. It's Melt in Your Mouth Pain Relief for only $29.95 a pop. Yummy, yummy. Mommy, mommy. <laughs> Endorsed by Ozzy Osbourne, available at Chemist Warehouse. It's a fucking stamp. Do you like it? Fucking crap, you disappeared. Now you lied to me. Fucking horrible. Oh, thanks a lot, you cunt. Okay. Um, Babs and I were very saddened to hear of Dame Vivian Westwood's passing the other week. and Was it a New Year's Day thing or a I Christmas thing? It was on a significant day. I remember everyone was rushing around, but like... I feel like it was when was everyone a, was posting a lot because they were feeling a bit like holiday energy. I don't know what day it was. There was a moment silence. I think it was her festive occasion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vivian Westwood died and at the same time, Alexander McQueen uh, at the NGV kind of similar time opened up two titans of British fashion, both love kilts. Different vibes, so we thought we would honour uh, Vivi and then chat about the McQueen show. What, well, first, let's start with Vivian. RIP, I read a lot of obituaries for her and amazing woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you learn? Um, I learned that she – okay, I learned heaps of stuff. Firstly, one thing that I really liked reading it was that she only really started getting successful having her, like, sex shop mm-hmm. um, with Malcolm McLaren when she was, like, in her early 30s and they only really took off, like, towards her late 30s. So I like that kind of – she has a just a not harried look about her. And we can talk about when we get to Alexander McQueen who, like, famously took over Givenchy yeah. when he was 26. Kind of – I don't feel like he had that time to, like, develop as an adult. Yeah, one of the um, articles I looked at said that it's common knowledge that flame, flames that burn too bright too quick burn out quick. But considering it has also <laughs> just it? been Hanukkah, which is about a miraculous lasting of oil, I, I do wonder, could Vivian be an example instead of oil that just keeps burning when it might not have otherwise? Definitely. I also learnt that she um, fucked her student – that's her you know the young wait what's the name of her young toy boy Andreas Andreas was her student in the 90s when she was teaching at a German fashion school which is very uh cool cool (laughs) (laughs) especially since like the consensus is that he's like insanely naff right that's so unfair (laughs) i if you review it he's he's been involved in her work since the 90s he he did her (laughs) demi couture label for years and years and it's like a pity, pity thing though. Nah, right? it's like, okay. It's I like feel- what you do for your son when you like set them up with a brand. I think, I think the um, parallel to go with, there's Vivian and Andreas who are married and have this creative development process together. He took over the brand in the last few years. He has, he's cute. He's like a bit like Alessandro Michele if he was like more like heroin cheeky, mm. I think. Like long hair, um, quite focused, diligent. And they, they worked together on stuff and he really uplifted her. And maybe we could contrast it with, I don't know how many of you know this, but Rick Owens has yeah, an actual toy boy whose name is... No, he's a real designer. His name is Tyrone <laughs> and he's actually a nice Jewish boy from Melbourne. <laughs> Went to Mount Scopus, right? He's... No, where? Bialik College. For viewers who haven't seen what he looks like, I highly recommend you go on his Instagram and look at his like incredibly just chad images in front of the acropolis in athens Mm -hmm. 
one of those people that has like clearly zero brain cells but like an uncanny ability to just craft this like perfect body and look and vibe i think you're assuming that because of how he looks he's obviously he's ended up in rick owen's bed has pushed out michelle lamay who (laughs) who's kind of like the isabella blow of rick owens yeah definitely um I don't know. I think you've got to give him some credit. He's amused. I, I think when you see one of the dilemmas with celebrating fashion designers is this emphasis on like the Western genius artist, the like one who could only do everything by themselves, but it's never true. People always do things together. And I think rather than looking at these couples and being like, oh, that's the wet cloth, that's not, mm. we should probably assume they stick around with one another for good reason and like help each other's art practice yeah or just like imagine what people have to say about you and me cam (laughs) (laughs) that young dick just so good (laughs) um anyway moving on from that also her real son started agent provocateur really yeah can you describe what agent provocateur is just like sexy undies yeah they're a mogul family like maybe andreas will bring the midas touch to vivian westwood without her but i just don't know yeah, sorry. How do I? Um, Loves texting. What else did you hear? Um, well, I really liked in her obituary, they had like a Taoist quote, which was essentially the idea that energy flows forever and one keeps living. And I think she had a much like grander vision of life than just this this one life here in the human body. So we don't have to say goodbye to her too quick. I think she's she's around. What about the other thing I was loving is like, I don't know, I find kind of like boomer activism, like uh, cosplay stuff kind of cringe, but hers was good. Like I was watching this interview she did with Naomi Campbell, who is also like so fucking weird. Like, have you seen her? Yeah. She's just like one of those people that's obviously just like so transcendently hot that from birth she's just like a goddess and doesn't have to be like Vivian Westwood said Naomi Campbell is the Aphrodite of our time. It's true. Like, have you seen the footage of her when she got um, taken to, like, the UN for receiving a dodgy blood diamond? <laughs> she looks incredible. Wait, what, before the, like, like human rights? Someone was like, why did you accept this, like, bajillion dollar diamond? She's like, I don't have to answer any questions. Cool. Anyway, she did an amazing interview with Vivian where she's, like, just trying to talk to Vivian about her activism. And Vivian's, like, obsessed with Greta Thunberg. And he's like, she's just out there doing it. She loves her i was getting confused for a few years there's someone who's been writing those books which are really cutting edge about like climate change and how that it needs to be fixed and their name is also like pretty similar to naomi campbell are you talking about greta Thunberg? no 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 it's like naomi <laughs> campbell klein Na- naomi klein i always think naomi yeah. klein and naomi now campbell are the same away. person but the good thing that vivian said was she's like you've got to have activism, you've got to have that power and you've got to look fabulous doing it. Well, <laughs> Which is like why she's clearly not siding like Naomi Klein, God bless her, she looks all right, but Extinction Rebellion, definitely not. So the trajectory of Vivian Westwood's like activism is that she started in the punk scene in London back in the day <laughs> and was in this kind of like destruction for destruction's sake kind of scene and then she transcended past that and kind of just got more into fantasy illusion and kind of a celebration of high culture and then in the last few years she's been on this green journey including being really um reticent and apologetic about a line of shoes she did with melissa those rubber shoes (laughs) she made high heels with melissa for years and years and you can still buy them and i watched an interview with her recently where she was like I just don't know why I did it. That's not her accent. <laughs> I just don't know why I did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not it either. Um, 
But I think I think it's actually a good place to bring <coughs> Vivian Westwood and um, what's his face? Wait, I've got one McQueen more together. I've okay. got one more anecdote that's okay. like a perfect good. transition yeah, in because yeah. it really illustrates the difference between them. I think, okay. which is the really the uh, Vivi cover that I love, which is the Tatler Margaret Thatcher cover. Mm-hmm. Did you read about the story of that? Tell us. It's so good. She got commissioned to make a suit for Margaret Thatcher, which is like crazy like mm. why would they even do that um but then apparently she rejected it or like she sent it back or something so then vivian was like i'm gonna shoot myself as margaret thatcher she right. dressed up as the iron lady as she's known because she hates margaret thatcher of course yeah. as all british leftists do they're like still hit thatcher can't forget what she did the trouble she wrought um and then apparently they put it on the cover of the tatler and then stuck it up all around london at london fashion week and the editor of the tatler was fired a week later but like, well, she doesn't know, but she was fired. Nobody knows but why. What I was going to, that kind of segues into yeah, McQueen. Please. Because McQueen, I would say, is like deeply apolitical, but also he's like not very funny. Like she is really funny. That's a really funny photo. This woman was once a punk and she has this like kind of quizzical look on her face. Mm-hmm. McQueen has his, his God-given gifts, but I would say he's not a political person necessarily and he's not that funny. So... Alexander McQueen is slightly different to Vivian Westwood, was firstly like a lot younger. Um, He is of a Scottish background, but came up in England, um, got trained up on Savile Row, was an apprentice as a tailor, whereas Viv was self-trained. So she was a t-shirt mogul, a woman for our times. Yeah, true. (laughs) She she used to make these t-shirts at her original store, which a YouTuber I was watching this morning was like, I cannot show you the T-shirts. They are simply profane. I but, I hope well. you watch it, but I hope you will trust that they are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and that was when she began her journey <laughs> to success. <Yeah. laughs> I was watching that while I took a bleach bar. <laughs> uh, one quarter cup bleach to a bar. <laughs> hey, that's punk, man. <laughs> punk, man. <laughs> they love that stuff. Um, so I do a T-shirt when you could do your entire body. So an essential divide between them is that um, McQueen Queen was really well trained on Savile Row. He also then went to Central St. Martin's, whereas Vivian Westwood was self-trained. Yeah. Um, key division. But then on this point you've raised about like, yeah, I think personality and activism, it's quite – Vivian Westwood, um, I think, branded her personality really strongly with the brand and people were really into buying her. Like she had a relatively small brand really – and um, a big thing was, like, her personality as this activist and this, like, um, overtly satirical person. Mm. Like, she used she used the tropes of, like, actual parody, like a, a, pose of, um, a pose of Thatcher she would redo. Or, like, she did this one collection. Remix. Um, with – it might have been one of – anyway, it was this one where she, she put all the models on the runway eating ice cream – and she put Kate Moss on the runway, topless, eating an ice cream as Marie Antoinette. She had this whole thing about how <laughs> much so she despised good. the French Revolution because of, in her eyes, it like destroyed culture. She was like really Eurocentric, really? I'm and surprised high, high by culture that. minded. Yeah, she but had she really hates. She's like a we are the 99 percent type. Yeah, but she she really values like high culture. She says she hates the 20th century, hates America. Right. And so I think she she had pros on the maximalist sense of just like showing herself, selling herself in that way. But Alexander McQueen has this legacy of being misunderstood by his audience. He 
any do you inter- think so any, like what is that legacy any interview you watch with people who know him they're like gosh i just loved having lee over anytime anytime <laughs> lee was coming around i knew i'd be in for a laugh um <laughs> how is that really um, good he, the he it said that he had like a really um dirty sense of humor and he it basically he had like What's a way of describing? I think he was just like a funny and charismatic party boy that was like really talented and worked really hard. That's my kind of But his collections were like about dark humor. But yeah, they were like, they were like not, I wouldn't say they were that funny necessarily, even though they were trying to be funny. They were very like had elaborate narratives. Like there was like this whole like world or like, as the NGV show is called, Mind Mythos Muse. They had a mythos behind them. Yeah. The NGV show for context, which like opened kind of recently, is like a really, I would say a very fun ride. I yeah. really enjoyed going there. It's like this huge blockbuster show that's like, they're like, are like screens on the roof that show like clouds and fire. It's like heaven and hell. It like really takes you into the world of his shows. And then also has like all the collections, like it's got the mannequins with the clothes on them, but then it's also got historic works that kind of relate to the garments. Yeah. Like, right, the ones yeah. right at the beginning caught your eye. That was sort of that period oh, you yeah. love, right? Because there's, like, amazing Flemish, like, uh, Northern Renaissance paintings of these, like, Hieronymus Bosch, like, hellish things of, like, people crawling into fiery pits of hell, etc., which is really good. Just, like, holes everywhere. Yeah. Eyes Orifices. and mouths. Yeah. But the, he's referencing them. Like, it's cheesy, right? Like, Vivian Westwood's references are, like, sure, Eurocentric, but they're, like, fun. Mm. His are, like, so earnest, like, so, like... Are they earnest? It's a bit cock and balls. It's always like he yeah. like he 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 puts the thing and then it's like actually a penis. But he's like, I'm a bad boy. Like he had this fixation of being like a misunderstood bad boy, yeah. which he probably was. Well, but, but exa- also important to mention that he tragically committed suicide, which as Isabella Trimboli mentioned in her review, they like weirdly omitted in the show. Mm. Why do you think they didn't put it in there? It's weird. It is weird, but I think the shows have a tradition of doing that like we said with Chanel they didn't want to say she was a Nazi and with him they didn't want to say he killed himself Nazi it's like com si com sa but like suicide suicide, it's like you should probably put that it seems weird not to it wasn't that biographic the show they didn't put in that much with his family which is interesting because they were like a really big support for him and they also didn't put that much in about his friendships like um, they had this guy Michael Schmidt make these headpieces but um, mm. A really big part of what Alexander McQueen did was work with people who'd make these cooked head pieces with like animal parts and all this other kind of stuff that, and like hairstylists who were really important to work with and jewelers. And then also this woman, Isabella Blow, who is muse. His, his muse, but she kind of like created him. Um, she she was sort of like she worked for Vogue in England and America and she always wore ringed black eyeliner, which I relate to. She also if famously my eyes weren't bleeding and weeping. <laughs> she famously bought his. He went. He was working as a tailor. He went to Central Saint Martins, and then he did this. Um, his graduate show was called Rape Highland Rape Highland or something. Rape, yeah. Like something very controversial. And then she was like, "I love it," and bought the whole show, and that like kickstarted his career. Mm-hmm. But it's hectic. Like he was running just the like scale of putting out that many clothes is so intense when you think about that schedule. Yeah. Going back to looking at the clothes though, when we were walking through and looking at them, I had this kind of weird experience because when I was a tween, I was obsessed with Alexander McQueen and literally thought he was like the most talented, like most incredible artist that you could possibly imagine. I like 
wanted to save up for one of his small silk scarves with the skull and crossbones on them, which is so ugly. Yeah, the clothes if you think were about so the legacy nah. of his clothes, like he actually, I think for, for us growing up in like the 2000s or whatever, he really affected like mass fashion. So like he made these like thin silk scarves with this skull and crossbone on them, which really came into like mm. every part of like mass produced fashion, like. You really wanted them. And also but the also skull it's like, rings. Yeah, the rings. Might have seen. Also, it's like the like runway version of it was this like epic, like mythic shit where it was like Atlantis and stuff. But then the trickle down of what the garments look like in practice, looking at them, it was like indie sleeves. There's like gladiator sandals everywhere yeah. and like jeggings, <laughs> like he, um, galaxy leggings. The He was really into, I think he actually was like a bit of, had a photography bent to how he saw things. Quite a few of his works featured these like digital prints or beading, which had visual illusions of them, which were a bit like surrealist photography. And he had this whole thing for a while with digital prints with this kaleidoscopic effect with like animal skins or otherwise, or gems, sort of like bright pinks and blues, kaleidoscopes, which unfortunately affected fast fashion massively when we were growing up it was a super big thing for these <laughs> ugly body con dresses to be like covered in these yeah, yeah. collide it's like you're looking in one of those kaleidoscope rings but it's everything you see for like 10 years really ugly though i do always fondly remember the armadillo um shoes loved those they're like massive imagine if like a horse's hoof was, was like on foot or like no, if a like dog's if a dog's claw was one one claw was a whole foot anyway i think that i thoroughly enjoyed the show we had a great time there we laughed lots the of whole hot, way through. there was lots of hot people there heaps of lesbians Heap. and, or, and gays we got looked <laughs> up and down by gay men like the whole we looked time. all right but yeah, we were a bit we sweaty and itchy it was like full-on like l word vibe in there it was a really fun afternoon we recommend it i will add as a point of comparison like it's interesting the effect McQueen had on us growing up whereas Mm. I think Vivian Westwood has had this kind of revival in the last few years which is to her credit McQueen's label which is continued now um under the the same person who was there when he left so that's like a 10-year leadership 15-year leadership which is pretty successful Vivian Westwood's kept going um by reviving some of the old shit, basically which is interesting I really feel like you could revive his stuff like what's the most iconic thing Oh, well, there's the, the that spray paint dress, which allegedly got, like, kind of got revived by Caperni. Yeah. The, when Gigi had got yeah. the shit sprayed on her, he did that too. Um, well, I guess just, like, his kind of, like, it's a little bit, like, I understand why he worked for Givenchy, just, like, sort of, like, lace and, like, big silhouettes and that kind of shit. Um, I don't know. When I see, like, fashion students now, everyone loves making these kind of big chul silhouettes and stuff so like mm. gothic romance really appeals to young people um yeah the darkness. epic epic narratives yeah but on the point of the their activism and their humor i i think a point of comparison is like um during 2020 i think vivian westwood put out a deck of cards which were to save the world like each card was kind of her <laughs> in an outfit with a pose being like we can do it like play your cards right and we'll win and McQueen would never do that. But, like, McQueen was equally, like, critical of the industry and of the world. Um, He did a – his final collection was um, a revisioning of a lot of his key pieces 
and the centerpiece of the runway. He always had cooked runways, by the way. If you want to have fun, just like watch any of his runway shows. Most of what he did was theatre. It was like actually epic, fucking epic. Very Tim Burton is the yeah. really the key reference yeah. here. And he did this show which had a pile of trash in the middle, which was like all the trash from all his runways of all time, kind of putting on stage like how disgusting and hideous the waste of it was. But it was like comical in a way. So yeah, because it's, it's a different so, style of humour. Because it's not that funny. That's why like in retrospect to me, it's like funny because it's so like earnest and like histrionic. Don't you think? Like he's like, because all of his quotes, he's like, I'm a bad boy. I want them to walk out of my shows vomiting. And he's like, look at this trash. Stare it in the face. <laughs> it's like, chill out, dude. Like, it's not that deep. Like, yeah. it is. But it's like, I don't know if he... W- You're in fashion. Like, yeah. I've got, you've got to admire the fashion people's just, like, sheer, like, vision and dumminess. It's like a perfect combination. Well, I admire that, like, Vivian Westwood had this, like, perception that she could... critique capitalism and the fashion industry within it by like producing things and selling things i believe you fucking can't can't, (laughs) i believe you can't make things on a mass scale and not contribute to just like all the shit stuff um punk is she made punk dude what did he make no and whereas he made i think i think he she wanted to (laughs) she wanted to affect society and consumer culture and he wanted to affect people like viscerally he wanted you to walk into the show see the waste and not be like oh shit i need to call greta thunberg and Isn't like, that- <laughs> instead he wanted you to vomit and didn't, i think that's um, more powerful and effective wasn't there didn't kanye have like a massive feud with gap because he was like there needs to be trash bags in every store that's my vision and he was trying to stock the clothes in giant garbage bags it's a trope as old as time yeah. anyway we've got a lot to get through my, this show come of, on one, okay. i know you come on we're done we're done yeah, so we, we always go to we've, got, we've got the whole we've got the but azalea banks entire tour to get through one of the things people talk about is this um this idea that um he was a queer boy and he was influenced by queer club culture where you would make one look for one night, which is like kind of in line with voguing culture at the moment here mm-hmm. at the clubs. Um, one of my favourite looks of all time that I rocked for one night with my crew in year 10, with, we spray painted trash bags silver and went to a party as goon bags, human-sized goon bags, and we looked amazing. Genius. Yes. All right. Well, on that special note... <laughs> You're listening to The Clam and Jackie Bam Show. You may hear things you find offensive. It's a radio show. Okay, back in the studio. (laughs) Cam, when you insisted on going to the Azalea Banks concert... I didn't insist. Well... Everybody had to make choices recently. International touring has come back to the city. It's shows galore. If you look, I looked at this billboard on the border of St Kilda earlier today and was like, wow, like corporations and interests, they really got us. Like I, I essentially had to choose which shows I would go to at the moment. And you had what to choose which shows you go to. to. I picked Phantom of the Opera. You picked Azalea Banks. We both picked Slob of the Russian Crown. Yeah, that was no afterwards. We'll get Discuss there. Discuss later. So, wait. So, oh, sorry. Carry so, on. when I asked Cam to come to Phantom, she's like, I simply can't. I'm going to Azalea instead. And I want to know why you wanted to go. Okay, a few reasons. Who is Azalea Banks also? 
Well, that's a question I asked a month ago. (laughs) Got to be one of the greatest tracks of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Um, Fondly remembered, like, listening to it with one headphone in when I was in high school. That's one reason. I sang that at Tel Aviv Pride in 2015. You've always had good taste. (laughs) Two, my dad was in town and he, like, really loves going to gigs. And so I was like, do you want to go to the artificial surf park in Tullamarine or do you want to come to see a rapper? And he was like definitely the music option Mm -hmm. so I thought it would be like a good bonding experience and three I guess I was just like keen to see her in the flesh Mm -hmm. as a bombastic and iconic artist but as people probably know the show got dramatically cancelled and there was like a whirlwind of drama that then proceeded to uh, take place in and around the entire thing Babs then got to go to the whoa, poof. Whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. We kind of. Okay. Do you want to get, get so the facts out? Get the facts out. Okay. Facts are she was scheduled. Okay. The first fact is that she started the tour in New Zealand and the tour was cursed from the start because there was a huge scabies outbreak in New Zealand at her show, allegedly. Um, Which is funny because scabies kind of breeds through clothes. So it means everyone would have been like rubbing up on their like polystyrene shoulders to catch it. Yeah. And then the second thing was that she was... Did she get scabies? I don't think so because she was on the stage. So I think it would have been fine for her. But people in the crowd got scabies. Then she was scheduled to fly to Melbourne. Something went wrong. Um a visa issue basically to do with something to do with the touring companies. She couldn't make it there in time for the Saturday show that she was scheduled. It got cancelled. She did play in Sydney. Wait, and in and amongst all of this, she is being quite public on her Instagram, which she is famous for. And then highlights on the, on the Instagram at that point were like, Australia is a third world currency place yeah why would i come play for 61 us cents to the aussie dollar <laughs> fuck that third world currency why would i play in like a racist backwater place where Fair people want to throw bottles at me australia these is a white supremacist couldn't nightmare. even organize my visa um these guys are scammers like really going for it she did play in sydney then she came back to melbourne she cancelled the show in Brisbane because she didn't want to play there because last time she played there, a racist person threw a water bottle at her face. So she was like, you know what? Fuck this. Then she did play the show in Melbourne and then played at Poof Doof where we land with Babs in the audience. Oh, you want to come straight? Okay, <laughs> Yeah, cool. because let's get to the like experience yeah. and then we'll talk so, about the... Okay, I found out who Azalea Banks was like a month ago. Had you, I'd heard how did you perform the entire song at Tel Aviv or No, because I'd not- heard 212 and like oh. I, I hear music, but I'm not that into it. So I knew who she was on Instagram and I understood that she made music. And then people what told you me she's, can- like, she's like the best rapper of all time right now. She's a... The- a very strong poster, despite all her yeah. problematic stuff. Like, she's got away with words. She's got away with words. She also was selling gift packages for a while, which were all, like, hectically Jewish-themed. No, she still is. Like, she's a massive... She's. I think she's, like, been really fucked by the music industry. So, her kind of grift is this, like, naturopathic herbal remedy website where she sells, like, back massages. And then she's, like, a massive philo-Semite. So, inexplicably has all these... Hanukkah boxes and then like necklaces that say Juicy Diva. J-E-W. Yeah. Um, so once you got passionate about her and everyone else was passionate about her, I was like, okay, this is something to notice. Um, and then there was a moment where I'd been in St Kilda for a birthday on this particular afternoon and people were going to see Azalea Banks. And then it was revealed that 
there was an after party at Puftuf, famed gay club on uh, Chapel Street, which is also the site of a contention with the Yarra Council, which we'll come back to later. Um, <laughs> it all comes back to the gays. Um, she was rumoured to be coming to play the after party at the club. So that night I had been to a gig for a very successful band called Boyfriend TV. And then... <laughs> my Boyfriend TV. My Boyfriend TV. And then we went to Puftuf at around like one. I show up at Puftuf, meet a friend in there who I would call a fan of Azalea Banks. I look around and realise that I am in and amongst the dregs of Azalea Banks fans. These so you didn't are, even see her play? No, 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 I did. Huh? But this, for, for two to three hours, I stood with a crew of people who are fans but don't trust the bitch. So they wouldn't pay to go see her concert, but they would pay to come to the club to see if maybe she would show up. Those were the and wisest they, people. They stood like meerkats the whole time. Like <laughs> I, It was kind of fun trying to engage in conversation with my friend because she would constantly be like twisting her head back and forth, just waiting to see if Azalea was coming. I was also at the same time committed to going to watch the Argentina versus France uh, FIFA Grand Final, which commenced at 2 a.m. And I had a theory that she was only going to come on once the final started on purpose to like fuck people over. Mm. But who knows if she even knows what football is. I think she does, but probably doesn't care. So after... Being in this marsh, waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, she came on stage and she played four songs and it was like fine. Was it? What was her like energy like in person? She she was just she was a pro. She just got up and like she sang her songs and she did them well and that was it. But there were there was no like back and forth. She just like sang. Because I've watched heaps of interviews with her and like I think she's kind of just like an internet nerd and like that's why she's so good at posting and being a troll because she's just like at home like trolling, posting, making music. I feel like she's not like a born performer necessarily mm. people were really happy with the performance. to see her yeah but i guess like then what happened after that which we then have done some investigative journalism argentina one <laughs> argentina one uh messi went home <laughs> a king azalea went home unhappy she, so, she made i'm very unhappy. she made complaints about um Wait, yeah get the get the get the headlines really funny Wait, did you did you see those ones I sent you when she's like owning the British yeah. journalists? No, nah, tell so her. Funny man, she's like, okay. Well, firstly, she started calling the guy the one of the production companies. Like the context of what happened is that this point blank production and bizarre production companies or like touring agents, whatever, were touring Azalea. Um, and to be clear, point blank is one person, and Bizarro is two, two people. Guys. And, yeah, these are just sole agents trying to do massive shit. Trying to do massive shit and have various bad reputations in their wake. Um, anyway, she started getting really angry at the Bizarro guys who are these two early 20s private school guys from Sydney and constantly <laughs> posting about them, calling them Sugar Ray. Do you know what Sugar Ray is? Who's Sugar Ray? It's this. Wait, I'll show you the photo. It's like this boy band from the 90s. What do they look like? But one of the guys has, has like really intense frosted tips and so does the guy from Bizarro. So she kept posting about him being like, hey, sweet Sugar Ray, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I talked to the guy, Sugar Ray, <laughs> real name Joe. Um, I don't know. Well, we talked to Joe and we also talked to M Fishpool who has been booked by Bizarro and had a not great experience with them. My vibe from, like, the drama was that 
Bizarro were just like two young private school boys trying to like run an empire and just kind of like getting fucked from all angles and fucking people as they went. I thought they told you that they just love to party and want to help people party. I think this is what we were saying before is like there's a vibe of private school guy that loves music and club culture and being like a dude about town and they have enough money and like family capital to back up doing risky ventures. Because like if you or I or like a normal person was like, yes, I'm going to insure a venue for $100,000. You'd be like, no, that's so fucking stressful. But they're like, yeah, it will be a really sick night. Like people really respect me. Like it's going to be a really just bring people together. Mm. That's the vibe. I don't know. What did you make? Did you see them there? Because they, would I have, guess they like, were there. She was calling the Sugar Ray comes from Poofdoof. The biggest production I've pulled off was maybe my birthday party at the Shisha Bar. Let's bring it back to Zen. <laughs> <laughs> that belly dancer was good. Yeah. I was like, is it worth booking the belly dancer? Yes. yes. For the first two songs, the last three dragged on a bit. Yeah. Um, she actually wanted me to pay but her did- less money because she felt bad about really? the performance. She was like, no. it just wasn't my best. And I'm like... It's no, you did great. Okay, he loves it. Did you see this? Daily Mail celebrity says rapper Azalea Banks calls Australia a broken racist country in an unhinged rant. True. And then she says <laughs> in response, the only thing unhinged are the rotting brown teeth in the mouth of a malnourished English journalist. The English media teeth be swinging like some fucking saloon doors in a spaghetti western LMAO. Jeez. <laughs> it gets me every time. Jeez. <laughs> anything to add? Anything to add from our combo with Anne? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, promoters, facilitators. I don't know. I'm in a phase right now of trying to consume rather than facilitate. It's a, it's a shift, but I think it's worth it. These guys. How's should, that going? I have a rash. <laughs> <laughs> from facilitating or consuming uh, probably consuming do you consume through your skin like does topical steroid cream count as consumption yeah definitely mm. the skin is the largest organ in our body true um final things on is it oh the only other bit of like insight that i thought i got which is more like fodder for the bizarro kind of these figures of the like problematic white private school boys is that one thing that was going around is they were trying to book a private jet to bring Azalea from New Zealand to Australia, which again is like And why didn't crazy. that work? Why didn't that work? Well, I heard multiple rumours. One was that there was a shortage of private jet fuel, which is crazy. Imagine spending like – In New Zealand you- specifically, which says something because I hear a lot of rumours that, that heaps of have celebs have moved to Aotearoa, New Zealand and are, um, have built bunkers and are planning to live there when the world ends. And I reckon they're coming in and out on their private jets. The only other thing that was really cringe was that Bizarro released this like really depressing and like legalistic statement, which was like this sob story about how they had like been mistreated and misunderstood as promoters. And like Azalea is kind of hectic and chaotic, but as but men- as professionals, which like yeah. Em really pointed it out to us as well, is like if you are professionally representing someone and like bringing them over you probably shouldn't come out and like publicly shit on them and make it all their fault like it's yeah not, it's not how things are done no you shouldn't make like a little statement official statement anyway tell you what i'm glad i'm not a promoter so lucky we know nothing about music but we will be hosting a gig soon that we are excited to tell you about at the end of the show yeah stay <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> but for that one there's like no contingency you know it's just good times all around Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
topic of extensive shows to attend i finally was able to drag cam to probably the best show we've ever seen in our entire lives i was skeptical but by the end i was crying with laughter in tears memorable night i'll never forget i was looking up reviews of the show since we saw it and there was a quote from a new york times journalist which i thought was very fitting for you no offense A critic who once resisted the charms of this holiday clown fest found herself floating in happiness. It's true. I I, I saw you floating. As a professional hater, I was well and truly blown away by Slava's Slava's Snow Show. (laughs) Slava's Snow Show, for listeners who are not familiar, is a Russian clown show. That was recently on at the Art Centre. Touring since 1993, including being off-Broadway in 2004. (laughs) Non-stop, 30 years of clowning. It was also $90, which was my initial hesitation was that. I got us 30% off. It was literally on the website. It said, click here for 30% off. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Babs really hustled this 30% off. And she was like, it's the number one thing that you click on the website because the show is not that popular. If we go into the Clam and Jackie Bam inbox right now, the the Gmail does that thing where it says, this email was sent six days ago. Do you want to follow up? And it's me begging the art center people to let us in for free. Anyway, they didn't let us in, but I'm glad I paid and supported a Russian clown who really deserves a bit of cash. And his troop of 12. <laughs> 12 12 get the fuck out 12. they and were not 12 performers there, 12 there was like performers. six no. anyway well, they, they rotate through 12 of them true well the show was just like this one clown slava who was a russian master clown and he had a bunch of minions that ran around after him on stage it was so good and funny it was magical that's the only way i can describe it let's do okay I as Cam's taught me how to analyze art. Okay, so form, <laughs> formally the forms. So it's Slava. They all of the outfits are like a bit maybe Bernard Wilhelm or something. They're like he wears like a yellow big onesie, and the others are all in green with these big hats. Um, it was kind of like they look like Eastern European homeless people, but like slightly more. Colourful. Colourful. It was like shredded. It was cool. They looked awesome. And then on the stage were like six panels, which were on the front like blue sateen with like little um, points in them, like pleats. Um, And it was obvious that they were made of like upholstery. Yeah. Of some kind or um what's what's asbestos it just looked again? it just looked like a big snowy like fabric field kind of yeah. and i think my initial thing was like i was like watching it and i was like trying to like understand like what is the narrative of a snow show like are we like on a snow venture but once i realized it was just like Slava's like dopest tricks of all time with like a vague theme of snow. <laughs> I was like, yes. Well, what was your favorite wait, gag that okay, he did? Because we'll he just did, he just did gag after gag after gag. To, to be clear, I think it was 
place-based knowledge about being, <laughs> uh, growing up in snowstorms, something which I have no intimate knowledge of, but now I've felt. I thought it was more like growing up in um, East, like the USSR and being in an environment of like poverty where you have to improvise and make do with the body. Yeah. That yeah. was more what I Similarly, got. Similarly... Stark context. <laughs> they, they, what was that person behind you saying about the gags? Oh, yeah. Well, because I was like, who the F is even at this show? Like, firstly, lots of children. They were my favorite audience members. Like, this small girl who was about four or five next to me kept on, like, just looking in awe and being like, oh, my God. And then behind me was this really dour woman who I think was like, I think there's a lot of people that actually do clowning as a hobby and it's like a whole world of clown people mm-hmm. and she was kept on being like I knew he was gonna do that <laughs> I was like shut up bitch that's the thing I think a lot of his moves were technically classics as was the music it was actually mm-hmm. awesome it was a lot of Vangelis tracks like stuff that might be in like that movie Stalker but or, there was also that song like do 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 chariots yeah. of fire oh yeah what was the other one that had the like <laughs> <laughs> uh Keskenada or something epic soundtrack um my okay he started the show this is my favorite okay, gag this is your favorite one he so noting that we are <laughs> in the for families session i couldn't get us into an adult session Slavas walks onto stage with a noose around his neck or he's like holding a rope noose and he stands in the middle of the stage and he starts pulling on the other end of the noose to tie it above him. Neck minute on the other end of the noose is is another clown who has tied a noose on the other end of the rope and then they have this like silent interchange of being like, well, which one of us gets to use the noose? It was, yeah, amazing. He also... My favorite was like, okay, you know when you – it's like when you see dancers or like people that are very skilled with their body, it's just amazing because you're like, wow, like you actually have so much control and discipline mm-hmm. over this like very mundane thing. He kept on doing walks where you you would like visually recognize it as like a busy person in a city or something and then he would like slightly change the way he was walking and you'd be like, whoa, you just got me. Yeah. He just got you he, time he would, after time. He would repeat a movement or a gag a few times so you knew the field you were playing with and then he would like push you over the edge a bit. Like – He had this one set which was um, a table and chair that were planted on the stage on their side, like slanted, and he kept on trying to sit on the chair drunkenly and kept sliding off. (laughs) And then he stayed the third time. The third time. But what about the best thing he did was when he did this this gag way. It wasn't even a gag. It was actually really moving where he – like rushed on stage holding a suitcase and then he put took out a coat from the suitcase and hung it on a clothes like hanging thing and then put a woman's hat over the top and then it just became this woman that he was saying goodbye to at a train station how do you he know like, she was a woman i knew <laughs> <laughs> she, he put one arm in the coat and started like tenderly stroking his own face but it looked exactly like another person then babs tried to get us to reenact it on the weekend but like was like get the coat we both put our arms in on either side and it's like we're hugging it's like, it doesn't really have the same impact i've tried to recreate the gag multiple times in the last week and i just don't understand do you feel like you've moved differently after seeing Slava? We moved. We went to my one of my favorite places to hang out for free in the city is the Fairfax Lounge in the Art mm. Center. It's blush pink. It's like being in a makeup compact. There's like Kabusia chairs everywhere. Big window, big mirrors. Sorry, 
um, and you can kind of just run around. And we did, we were clowning around. We clowned around. I felt we clowned. Also, final context is that at the end of the first act, he this was amazing. Yeah, he there's did, a couple blizzards. <laughs> he did a gag where he was like playing with one of the panels, and then this like fluffy stuff came out, and his arm got stuck in it, and he was like, oh, like trying to get his arm out, and then the, it wrapped around the rest of his body. He's like, trying to get out. Wait, and the then stu- describe the stuff. It's, it's like the shit that's in cotton. walls. Um, Stuffing? No, it's called... Upholstery? It, it's similar to upholstery. It's it's the stuff that you put in... It was like similar. fluffy it cotton. It can be fluffy it or not. It was like spiderweb made out of fabric. And then the, it unwound and then he pulled it such that it went over the entire audience in the auditorium. And all of us were stuck in the blizzard and each one of us had to pull it over ourselves to like experience the blizzard. It was magic. I guess the moral of the story is I was like, I've been seeing so much, you know, shitty art or bad performances, so many bad indie rock gigs you could see, but you could just pay that little bit extra and see a true magician. A true magician who used really basic shit, like definitely the same props since 1993, like mostly confetti. There was a moment where huge like um, stage lights went on, like like Mad Max vibes, mm-hmm. and they played that like Chariot of Fire song. And then confetti just went over the whole crowd and we were in the storm <laughs> together and we screamed. I screamed. Thank you for taking me. <laughs> Am I allowed to read a review? And then we, we call it. Didn't we just give a review? Okay, read a review just <laughs> well, to I give think, the visceral image. For posterity, image. we were obviously sold on the clown, but not everybody has Really? Been. This is, I know, can you believe it? A review from 2013 entitled Slava Snow Show, Greatest Ripoff Ever. Oh my God. Are, are you allowed to read this in a Russian accent? This has to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has to be the greatest ripoff ever. I took my grandchildren. I can't do it. Also, Red scares out. 17 and Also, 11, this person's definitely a British And 11 dickhead. years in December 2012 after viewing excerpts on the internet. This looked so exciting. Net covering audience, giant balls, yes. Kamina Burama music as snow fired into audience. Those experts, excerpts were it. There was nothing else interesting in the show to interest adults and children. How anyone can tell us to go and see this rubbish is beyond me. The miming clowns were not funny. There was no continuation to the theme, if there was a theme. I would probably agree with that comment. Completely and utterly boring and impossible to understand. Not true. Just go with the snow. My grandchildren said, Nana, I don't know what's going on. Sounds like a your grandkids problem. You could tell that the children in the audience were up for a laugh. <laughs> but poor thing, one little girl in front of us was forcing out laughs. Nearly everyone around us was sitting stony face. Who published this? Be- uh, it was on like TripAdvisor. Uh, people in front of us walked out and I would have done had I not paid nearly £100 for tickets. I kept thinking that things must get better because of the reviews I had oh read. Oh, my God. And then this is the this is The, the next kicker. night we went to see The Lion King for the third time but top price tickets and i would advise anyone thinking of going to see slava spend your money on the cheaper seats to see the lion king slava was a disgrace (laughs) who's ready to put the d back in divorce head to backinthegame.com.au to meet like-minded single parents ready to play just remember don't hate the player hate the game Um, Pyongyang Yara, how could we uh, not end without a little bit of time spent on (laughs) 
the well actually let's we have to go through the journey that we ended mm-hmm. up at this story through my journey started a couple of years ago I yeah I'm not great at reading fiction no. and a couple of years ago I wanted to read power without glory because it seems to be something that like all Aussies have read and it it tells a really good leftist tale of like power and corruption and the infrastructure that established government in Victoria especially the Labor Party Vic Police um, and also infrastructure around the city, including especially so-called Caring Bush or uh, yeah. Collingwood. So for context, I don't think, A, I don't think all Australians have read it. I just think all like communists have said they've read it. Right. B, for people who don't know, Power Without Glory is a 1950 historical novel that just follows, like how far did you get through it? It just follows John. 260 pages of yeah. like 600. It's so long. Follows this guy called John Wren. They call him John West, but in real life his name was John Wren. It's like a biography of a gangster that was published in super secrecy for fear of death, murder, killing. Yeah. And so it uses... um pseudonyms for people's names which are only just slightly different like John's wife Ellen in the book is called Nellie it's kind of like if the Sopranos was a really bad communist book that took place in Australia in the early 20th century and Tony was like a uh, Labour Party kind of mover and shaker behind the scenes that's basically what it is yeah but through reading this Babs and I recently actually tackled the book uh, for a book club and we also then started getting into recent massive dramas around the current Yarra City Council because the kind of main theme of Power Without Glory is like it's all set in Collingwood. It's all about corruption and dodgy shit going on. There's like a scene towards the end of the book where one of the gangsters is the mayor of Caring Bush. So like literally. Which gangster? Uh, Sugar Renfrey. <laughs> Sugar Renfrey, what a guy. Sugar Renfrey's like, do you remember who he is? Yeah, He's like yeah. the hell busted gangster yeah, that yeah. always does the dirty Scrawny. deeds. No, he's, like, fucked up in the face and he's, like, a dumb, um, aggressive guy. The way the book characterises criminals and poor people is bizarre because it's meant to be leftist and, like, for the working class, but it really... I think this was a time when the criminal class was, like, an actual, like, force and there were, like, entire, like, families who, like, yeah, took up heaps of space and, like, contributed to culture, like, quite visibly in this way. Um And so a lot of the book is this person kind of trying to point out the ways that culture is corrupted if people do this. Um, What do you mean? Like if people take over community in criminal ways? Yeah, like that. mainly that it'll make them ugly. Like heaps of the description of people in the book is like, these guys were so ugly in ways that only criminals could be. People who are dark inside are ugly on the outside. They're like hard, flinty faces. Yeah. I don't think it – I don't know about that. Because it's trying to be like – socialist realism yeah social realism trying to like tell the truth but then it like every now and then just like peppers things in its descriptions of like how people work well it's the scenes it paints is like this colonial collingwood full of like absolute gnarly violent grifters that because it starts like, pre-state like you're like 150 pages in and then it's like and then australia was federated also like it's all the main kind of through line is that john wren runs these gambling rackets like the tote was john wren's tote was like his big early money maker like the tote the tote that we it. go to gigs at sometimes yeah. <laughs> very sometimes. often <laughs> there's like all these crazy scenes where he's literally getting reports of the race results from flemington race course delivered by carrier pigeon no well he got his start racing pigeons they were his his no. first, yes his first start at the start of the book is that he and his brothers 
start set rigging pigeon races I think in Victoria. You, um, I don't want to say that you've misread it, but I'm pretty sure it's that the pigeons deliver the information. No, no, no. They Early on, pigeon racing was a big thing in Victoria. I swear to God, it okay. was like a competitive practice and he would put in um, – uh, duplicate pigeons and win the race. So halfway through the race, he would swap out pigeons that could win the race. And True. then when then he went on to – he took over the race courses. He took over boxing. He rigged – it says that he rigged um, the – what's the cycling race that's big in Victoria? The I Grand Prix, is it called Probably. that? But he also – he got kicked out of the horses and then so he had to do the trotting, which is like the pony races. <laughs> he, he literally fixed – everything and everywhere and all right in the right in the streets which are recently gentrified but yeah recently gentrified which leads us to yarra council uh today to read some kind of choice headlines do you have are any we, of your favorites uh, can i ask that we read it you just before read, we move your, on what's your vision okay before so we're going to transition from book into today but okay. something to note is that the book was published in secret and when it came out john Ren was super upset about it and wanted it crushed, but he didn't want to come out and admit that it was him because he was accused of really heinous crimes in it. Murder, so literally murder. murder. So instead they came out on defamation and libel on the fact that it was offensive to his wife because in the book it says his wife cheated on him. She has a and vigorous affair with a uh, bricklayer out the front of their house and they have an illegitimate child together. And I, there's this... Cam found an article from The Age in 1951, um, which is the year after it was published, uh, where essentially John Wren's kid, John Jr., is brought into court to <laughs> testify over whether his parents are his parents and if either of his parents have read the book. Um, I was hoping we could read, like, I could be... You, do you do want you to want be the kid or the lawyer? I'll be Mr. Wren. Okay, you, some of them are not in. Mr. Wren told Mr. Campbell he believed his mother would attend the court at a later date. He said his mother had received a copy of Power Without Glory anonymously through the post. She'd read it and then burnt it. While not reading it, she had hidden it. Well, has your father read the book? No. You are playing a game with me. The lawyer says, I object. That is no way for a senior counsel to put his case. Mr. Wren then turned to Mr. Jackson and said of Mr. Campbell, he is more or less accusing me of being a liar. Are we going through all of this? No, wait, just this. Do you know that the book alleges that John West was connected with two murders? Yes. That he was concerned with the rigging of horse races? The book says so. That he was connected with the Milk Commission in a nefarious way? <laughs> yes. You told your father of these allegations and he still did not read the book. Mr. Wren said his father still did not read the book. And to this day, I think that's because the book fucking sucks, not because he didn't want to <laughs> read the book. It's like literally impossible to read. Because imagine like you're like, wow, this 600-page book got written about People you. read like, it. Yeah. Didn't you see in that article that there's like all these page uh, papers that got sent around where like each of the characters – then their corresponding real-life person got passed around because everyone was like, oh, fuck, I'm in it. Like, it's like if, like someone, wrote, face. if someone wrote a, like, book about, like, a social milieu that you know, but not only were people just, like, they were getting shit-talked, it was like they'd done, like, murder and serious corruption. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, I think they read it. Yeah. But they would have struggled through the, the turgid prose towards the end. <laughs> the, the struggle. Um, speaking of completely non-turgid prose, we now turn to the Herald Sun. Thank you for letting me have that. That's great. Um, this is Yarra Council today. It's Pyongyang Yarra. Greens Council wants to silence all criticism. You got any other good headlines? Yeah, well, 
So for context, we almost got sucked in, almost, but then we rose above it. We did vigorous and uh, intensive investigative journalism and we did not believe the Murdoch hype. Yeah, so we were like, oh shit, we just learned all about corruption in Yarra in the past. It should still exist today. And we also hear rumours. Everyone lives around there, works around there, and they tell us all the bad shit. And then we thought to ourselves, like Hope hang Street on. Radio, stuff like that. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Message from the text line. We didn't say officially that Frank Hardy wrote the book. Sorry. Yeah. Well, we weren't very nice about <laughs> yeah. it. Frank Hardy, rest in peace. Thank you for your service. He wrote like 19 Party. books about communism. Yeah. He wrote um, a book really about badly. writing the book. <laughs> um, so he. So essentially the Herald Sun wants leftists to fight with one another. So it publishes all these articles about the current Yarra Council because it's an all-lefty situation. It's like half Greens and half progressives who once upon a time were in the More than half big Greens. socialists. It's the only Greens majority council in the whole of Australia. So they think it's basically – the Herald Sun thinks it's North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they want – they want us to like get excited and angry about it and like point our fingers at the leftists who aren't left enough. But instead, we're just going to hype them up and we're going to say, thank you, well, Herald Sun. These are our favorite headlines. I was going to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Read that. No, no. Okay. Favorite headlines. <laughs> I got um, Yarra, Yarra Council untroubled by sense of reality. <laughs> now that the city of Yarra has banned Australia Day, ratepayers will expect to see council staff working on January 26th. As if that's like being completely like out of touch with reality. I like this one. Angry residents bid to secede from Yarra Council. A group of Melbourne ratepayers who say Yarra Council put bicycles ahead of residents has launched an audacious bid to secede. Yarra Council got itself into this mess. Yarra Council has outdone itself this week, but as its issues pile up alongside the rubbish, ratepayers must demand better. I will say, though, I was actually reflecting today because I was in Fitzroy North in the Fitzroy North Library, which is like a site of insane uh, body and class fascism in itself. But I was like, damn, do the amenities work here? The (laughs) recycling toilets are like so sustainable that it's like barely flushing. I'm like, (laughs) it's possible to go too far with these kind of initiatives. We spoke to a few sources. You had wait. You had one what? more headline that was really good that you showed me today with the oranges. Oh yeah, that one's gone. That was about a different council though. Oh. The Herald Sun is like running this scare campaign about local councils, but as I think we discussed, there is some kind of like boomer hatred towards local councils. Like people think that they're like a waste of resources, blah blah blah. But actually, they're providing a kind of like frontline service to many people. Libraries run through. Uh, Local councils. What a lot else? of shit runs Bins. through councils. It's anything that the state government wants to pass on, essentially. But I guess the thing with Yarra is that it's very progressive nominally because it's got all these greenies in there. But there actually is – there's like the fake Herald Sun narrative where they're like Pyongyang, Yarra, Kim Jong-un's enclave. But then there is like a kind of real conflict between the greens – the basically like centre-right people and then like far-left people who think the Greens are like neolib Green. stooges yeah, basically. Yeah, they're not And the, social, the socialists Socially progressive, fiscally conservative, rich people who want to put like acknowledgements on their door yeah. of the house they own. Well, what did you make of the actual – because like the key genuine issues that have come up in Yarra is that they've tried to take away regular council meetings. They normally have two a month. But now they're only having one and, like, the residence groups are livid. The other thing they did that really triggered people that already thought that they were angry is that 
they had a meeting um, where they – oh, that was the other good headline. Yeah, do it. The Great Wall of Yarra. <laughs> where they put up, like, this – for some inexplicable reason. Like, council meetings look like the most boring fucking thing you could go to. So, I don't know why anyone would go to them in the first place. But, like, the ideal – democratic ideal of them is that it's, like – this like vigorous exchange between the residents and the councillors. It's like old feudalism where people line up for, to greet the king in court and they're like, please bless my chickens. <laughs> That's not what it is. It's like it's a, it's shit. a democratic idea where you say, <laughs> my bins haven't been taken out for weeks. And they're like, here's a rainbow flag. <laughs> well, people have been really upset because in all the inner city councils, you just have to submit your question by 12 PM on the day. And this council wants to make it that you have a limit of one question per person and you have to put it in the day before it's just a bunch of no it's like what it is is just people getting really pissed off at really minor bureaucratic changes that they perceive to like undermine the entire fabric of democracy anyway the great wall of yarra was like in the meeting normally it's just like people sitting there (laughs) chatting with the councillors but for some inexplicable reason that they still haven't disclosed disclosed. because they're really people say that they're really against transparency and they don't like share reasoning for why they do anything Mm. they put this wall of desks between it. it's hardcore. they put a wall of desks between the councillors and the residents it's we- like a mechitza if you've ever been to a synagogue where the men and women can't sit together it's like that but like councillors here and regular people here like they think they're better than us <laughs> the residents <laughs> anyway i don't know i think what was the kind of point of this discussion the- corruption is ongoing but most people in politics i think mean well but then get sucked in well half of the story in power without glory is also about these socialists within it like literal wobblies who all have their price like at some point they they they're into gambling and they want to get bought out john wren like put heaps of leftists into seats in parliament by literally paying for their campaigns to go Mm. in and i guess we we kind of wanted to see today how that corruption continues I don't think it's like – it probably is sort of corruption now, but I think more what happens is that, like, the Greens who are, like, nominally this, like, idealist leftist party that would have been what in John Wren's time, like, the Labour Party was, instead of being sucked into, like, criminal interests and union corruption, they more get sucked into, like, landed gentry property developer, yeah. like, land forces. Yeah. That was my kind of yeah, read. fully. Oh. Oh. Fully. So yeah, I um, don't know. And they just raised the pool prices, which didn't go down well. Yeah, one of the big critiques is that they use um, regressive tax policies that charge everybody the same rate for everything, even though there's fucking rich people and fucking poor people in the same place. And it's like, why should everyone pay the same amount yeah. of money for their bins? If you're the child of a billionaire property developer living in Fitzroy North, you should not pay the same as a bohemian artist <laughs> uh, living in an apartment just down the road, like um, myself. So, <laughs> so one of one one of the big points of contention at the moment is yeah. that um, in big changes happened to our local council legislation in 2020. The biggest changes in 30 years, <laughs> which meant that um, a monitor could be appointed to basically come in from the state government into the local council and be like, "You guys need to do better." So this guy Yehudi Blacher, whose name is like way too Jewish for my liking, um, he came in for three months, I think, during this but- period when the council didn't have a CEO or a mayor. He was put in as like people would think he was put in as like a political thing because the Labour Party were like trying to prove that the Greens were incompetent and couldn't run parliament. It was dodgy. It was dodgy. And at the end of his three months, he's been called out for um, 
making okay wait so he at the end of his three months he had to produce a report about what he found and um this this is some feedback from an email to local government minister um horn um so noticing that there's been a lot of attention since the great wall of yarra came up (laughs) um this person wrote in and said that blucher's report which is seven pages including the title page, table of contents, and the closing page um, um, was underwhelming and a complete travesty to suggest that three months at approximately $2,000 per day of his engagement appointed by himself to produce this anemic high school level report is anywhere close to appropriate is absurd in the extreme. Yeah, like this guy was a bureaucrat blowing, but also the guy that Babs is quoting from, Adam Promnitz, seems like a freaking nutter like <laughs> the thing because he he's the one that run. you got to get a little bit more deeper research yeah, you just get swayed by the exciting language he was the he's the head of the yarra council the yarra residents collective which is like this extremely vocal group that seems to just consist of like him his toddler and then like <laughs> seven other people in orange t-shirts the majority <laughs> of the people in yarra are just like normal progressive people that just want a good functioning council they want social housing to go to the library to go to the pool to have their bins picked up and i wish them all the best on that journey journey in pyongyang yeah yeah um what's the capital of seoul yara (laughs) that's the wrong wrong career the year is sometime in the 2000s and Ali G and Donald Trump sit down. Mr G proposes the idea of an ice cream that never melts. Flash forward, it's 2022 and Donald Trump is up for his re-election. New idea, brainwave, let's bring it back. Ice cream that doesn't melt, let's do it. No more Trump, but lots more ice cream that never melts. It's the future we all want, British or not. Thank you all so much for joining us once again. We've had a little hiatus. We've relocated. Big thanks again to Sam Sutton and Crawl Space Radio for hosting us for the first 11 episodes of our show, maybe 10. Uh, we had a fucking good time, but now we're in my living room and it's pretty damn comfortable here with our new producer, Ruby Schwartz. Big thank you as well to uh, Martin Lazar Moishi Elias, Moomoo5000 for the sick audio setup and to our live studio audience of housemates <laughs> and friends, a dog Izzy, and Ruth, a cat. M and the pets. Dolly, Lemon, <laughs> we love you guys. Everybody's here. Stay tuned for really bombastic visual <laughs> content, which will tell you to come to this gig. But massive announcement. We are doing a live show at M Pavilion, which is like some weird corporate architecture philanthropy thing outside the NGV. No. We, but they are lovingly funding us and we are really excited to have that opportunity to be outside <laughs> the NGV in a tent. In, we, have you seen the tent? It is it orange. Hot as shit. Uh, we're going to so be and Jackie Bam. having a live show talking about heaps of shit for like an hour on Saturday, March 4th. And then once we stop talking, it's going to be a three-way back-to-back <laughs> DJ DJs, set DJs, DJs. with the hottest DJs in this city. We have Pong. We, <laughs> we don't pick the music. They pick the music. The people pick the music. Ponzu Island. Ponzu Island. Ponzu Island. Slam Ross 1000. Slam Ross 1000. Kalyani. Kalyani. And we'll just be chilling in the background. And we didn't have to secure any visas and there was like no $100,000 deposit. It was it just... Should an expression well. of interest 
and then we got our friends on board. Just bring the people together. It's just simple. Uh, it's going to be fabulous. And then the other announcement to make is that for any listeners out there more interested in the written word, um, a new publication is beginning called The Paris End. For more information about this enticing Paris End opportunity, I highly recommend you go on Instagram or Twitter and look up the Paris underscore end. Stay tuned. Um, good to be back on the air with you, Babs. It's nice to be schwitzing it up in your living room. M- missed you. <laughs> missed you too. And to finish, ah, what a treat. A uh, queer core pop rock artist, <laughs> our friend Willing. Is, has put out this epic, like, song and album. We went to see the live production, which was a stadium-level theatrical production. It was like Elton John meets... It was like a gay slava. Yeah, gay slava, for sure. <laughs> Cl- clowns abound. And now it is out on Spotify, all the other places. And we would like to tell you that the album is called Unreal City and you get to listen to a song now called You Know the Vibe. Laters. You know the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the vibe, cause the vibe is home.